You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back, everyone. This is Huddle Up, a football podcast. We are back. We took a couple months off, but here we are, right on the eve of football season. Hello there, Tony. Hey, man. What's going on? Excited to be back. So pumped. Yeah, it's good to be back. We, uh, yeah, we, we took a couple months off. We took a little break, but, uh, but, we, but we are here. We've been with you all along, listening in. Looking at all the news, we've been we've been deep in the archives, and we are we are super fans. So it never truly ends for us. But uh, what do you mean? But here we say, are. When you say deep in the archives, what exactly do you mean by that? I, you know, a lot of people have different things. You know, deep in the archives, deep in the matrix. We are just we live football. We live regardless football. of how it comes to us. We live it. Okay, okay. We live football. We're deep in the archives. I'm with you there. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of news we haven't talked about on the podcast, but uh, we're going to keep moving forward here uh, because we're so close to football. We actually have a lot uh, to discuss that we'd like to discuss versus what has already happened, which you guys have kind of already known about. But uh, there was some breaking news right before this podcast recording. We are recording this Wednesday night. So, although this is a Thursday edition, as they are all Thursday editions. They're all Thursday editions. Uh Yes. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> uh, some breaking news just came across. Uh, Leonard Fournette, who was recently cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, who has cleared waivers, was picked up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tony, are you pretty shocked right now? I'm not shocked. I was shocked that Fournette got cut. I'll be real about that. And I shouldn't have been shocked. I feel like that was one of those things where like we all saw it coming, but nobody thought it would actually happen where the relationship was just so toxic that it couldn't possibly go on. But I mean, I mean all the way to Jacksonville saying they were voiding for nets guaranteed money. I mean, they went, it was, it was such a toxic relationship that every single person I think in the football community thought that this was not going to happen. And then here, a week before football, we all put it down, we all moved aside, and we were all like, hey, you know what? Maybe we're wrong. Maybe maybe Fournette's the starting running back for the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, no. It, that part blew me away, that they just cut him. And to be frank with you, I think they did that foolishly. They're going to owe him that money. That, that, that fake waiver that they did where they said they don't owe him any money anymore, that's not real. They're gonna oh, they're gonna pay him that money. You mark my words. They're gonna pay him. Besides the fact, I was not shocked that he yeah. went to Tampa Bay. I mean, that was to me that was the absolute perfect fit. It's easy to say that now, but people that I know that you guys probably anybody listening doesn't care about. Like, of course, all my friends are gonna say I'm right if I'm asked to. Like, if I ask them to say I'm right, but that's not what I'm saying. Tampa Bay makes the most absolute perfect sense. For Leonard Fournette. And I, I, I just, I, I, we made an episode months ago about how is Tom Brady building a super team? And I'm telling you right now, 
Tom Brady has built a super team. It doesn't surprise me. I saw it coming. I told people, not publicly, I wish I would have said it publicly, but I've been quite on Twitter with a move. So uh, no, I didn't say it, but I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? Did this surprise you? I'm with you. I, the more shocking thing was that they cut him, but not was it, the timing was more of the shocking thing because I think we did a podcast. It was a couple months ago. And I think I might've spoke the words on the podcast, but it wasn't on the pod. It was you guys personally that Leonard Fournette is not making the season on the Jacksonville Jaguars. But then here we are a week before the season starts. And they cut him. So what you were talking about is a foolish cut. I am going to add another word in there. And that was malicious because who, if you know that he is not going to be your starting running back going into the season and you wait until there's a week left until opening kickoff. And there has to have been some, there had to have been some ill will here between him and the coaches, which we know he's kind of, hard to get along with according to what we've heard, but that is, that's rough. We thought Cam Newton was done dirty by the, by the Panthers. I think, I think Leonard Fournette was done even more dirty by the Jags. I don't but, know that he was done dirty. Right. I don't, I, I don't think he was done dirty. It's Doug, Doug Marone. He, he doesn't have a reputation for sending players off to die. I mean, he, he okay, wait, 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 before I get lost, Doug Marone. This is not Doug Marone's first year in Jacksonville. Arguably, this is his last year in Jacksonville. If Doug Marone doesn't get a winning team in a division that has suddenly become competitive, I mean, I mean, 10 years ago, Peyton Manning ran the AFC South. Now, all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson and the Tennessee, I'm sorry, the, the Houston Texans are a real threat. They're an offensive powerhouse. Tennessee's defense will stifle you and... Derrick Henry can run a grown-ass man straight into the ground. I mean, we've watched it happen. This is not a division where you can just play loosey-goosey if you're not a, if you're not guaranteed your job as the head coach. Doug Marone is not guaranteed his job. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. I mean, he is fighting for his job. For so for for me to see him. I mean, of course he was on board with the idea of cutting Fournette. Of course he was on the board on board with the idea of Ngakwe. He just traded away Ngakwe. I mean, you you don't do that if you're playing for your job and you're not confident that your plan is going to work. So I don't think that it was a spite issue. He didn't say anything bad about Ngakwe. Remember when Ngakwe went on went on Twitter went on blast with Khan and just blasted him. I mean, there were no ill words said about any of these players. Of course they had issues. We all know they had issues internally. I don't think it was a spite, man. And I, what, what's confusing to me is it wasn't, I don't think it was spite. And it's obviously not an issue of talent. I mean, Fournette is one of the most talented backs in the league. I, I would argue that as far as talent goes, forget production. As far as talent goes, is he a top 10 running back? I think so. Is he a top seven running back? Sure. Probably. Is he a top five running back? Okay, we'll talk about that then. We'll talk about top, top, top five. We can start saying, okay, Fournette's not a top five running back. And, and you could make an argument that he wasn't. But this guy is, 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 so, is supremely talented across the whole game. So I don't think it was a talent issue. I don't think it was an off-field issue. What's confusing to me is it definitely wasn't a money issue. I mean, come on. Miami is paying Jordan Howard $9 million for two years. 
And all they had to pay was four, four million for Fournette. So I don't really know what's going on here. I don't think it was spite though. I don't think it was spite. Yeah, I know it was Fournette has had some attitude issues. Of course, that's what uh, Tom Coughlin has led everyone to believe, uh, which I've heard numerous times that Tom Coughlin kind of runs a, a little bit too tight of a ship. And so maybe that some of that is embellished, but um, I, all that aside, I think it was more of an attitude issue and just kind of getting rid of their last big name and just embracing the rebuild, um, which is kind of shocking. Like you said, Marone is on his last leg, but after trading away and cutting all of their seemingly best players, if the Jags win six to seven games with the roster that they have now, wouldn't that be shocking enough to where Marone may just keep his job? The only way Marone keeps his job is if he goes to Tony Khan and he says, look, I know we had a six and five record. I know the Colts and the Titans and the Texans beat the crap out of us every time we played them. But I have all these draft picks for you. Look at all these picks that I've offered you. That's his only chance. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's going to be a draft day hope. They're not going to win the division. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a stretch. Like, they can't. Like, they're, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, will be the last place in their division. Under any normal circumstances, the head coach would be fired. I mean, on his last year of the contract. The only hope that he has is to say, look at the future that I've offered you by giving away a running back and here a defensive guy is gone. But for the most part, I mean, look, we got DJ Chark on the rise, right? I mean, that's a legitimate talent. So they still have pieces. His only hope is to, is to lean on the 2021 draft. And you know what? If I was Doug Marone and that was my plan, I, I, that would not be my plan right now. Given everything going on in the United States with COVID, with college football, with, I, I, who knows what's going to happen over the next six months? I mean, if I was if I was Doug Marone, this plan doesn't make sense. I don't think it's malicious. I think his only way out is the draft. But at the same time, if these big name players aren't eligible or or f- for some reason want to go back to college because they didn't have a year and they don't think their capital's high enough, I mean, we could see we could see major issues here with Doug Marone's plan. And I think he's been the victim of some pretty bad circumstances. But he might not make it out of this one. I don't. I don't know what will happen next for him. I don't know. Yeah, they had four top fifty picks this year, and now they have four top fifty picks next year. So, and you mentioned DJ Chark. I mean, they drafted Josh Allen too, the star defensive end. I mean, he was he was a top ten pick for the Jags, and you know he was arguably the best defensive talent, maybe overall and in you know the draft in some people's eyes and they drafted LaVisca Chenault this year I mean they have some good young pieces that are pretty exciting they're going to see what they have in Minshew but like you said they can have the number one overall pick and be talking about changing their entire franchise kind of like going to work I don't um, think that works I don't think you can have I don't think you can be Doug Marone and be on the last year of your contract with a I don't have his record in front of me but I would I wouldn't imagine it's not a winning record uh, was, uh, I, I need to look that up. I'm it can it up. be. There's no possible way it can be at this point. I'm looking it up real quick. 21 and 27. 
21 and 27. With the Jags from 17 to 20. So he's he's got a losing record. He can't afford to be the last place team in his last year of his contract. I mean, Daniel, it's not going to happen. That cannot happen. I want... I agree with you. I, I think he's out. As a Colts fan, no, you think he's out? Or do you think he's a terrible head coach? Is that what you think? No, I don't necessarily think he's a terrible head coach. So, um, he's just, I guess here's my problem is if, if, and I, and I, I struggle with both sides of this. Gardner Minshew is not the future in Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence could be as a Colts fan. I hate the idea of facing Trevor Lawrence twice a year, but as a Doug Marone from his point of view, you can't get to the point where Trevor Lawrence is available and keep your job. So you have to fight to win. So that's why I was saying with the Fournette trade, I, it, it just boggles my mind because I do not believe that Doug Marone is tanking. Jacksonville cannot afford to tank. They can't. If they tank, they lose their jobs, period. What about Tennessee? I agree. What do you? Th- I mean, sorry, Tampa Bay. What do you think about the implications that this move has with Fournette going from Jacksonville to Tampa Bay. Tell me about that. Well, I've been very vocal about my uh, not strong dislike, but just general uh, general hatred for Ronald Jones. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because everybody kind of bought into Ronald Jones as our running back, and you know, Bruce Arians keeps saying all the right things. Oh, Ronald Jones has made strides. He's been great. He's definitely our starter. But look at what he's done this offseason. Like, you know how they always say, look at what they're doing, not what they're saying. There's coach speak everywhere, but actions speak louder than words. So, yeah, they're sold on Ronald Jones. They love Ronald Jones, but then they go ahead and spend their uh, third-round pick on a running back. And then we get to post-draft, and then they add on LaShawn McCoy. I mean, if you're just absolutely sold on your your duo of running backs, because they already had three, um, you don't just keep adding if you love your guy. So if, if they started with Leonard Fournette and they, they loved him and they thought that he was their workhorse, they wouldn't have drafted a running back in the third. They wouldn't have brought in kind of – I'm not going to call LaShawn McCoy a high-profile running back, but he's got the name. He's not just a scrub, you know, roster piece. So – I don't think the Bucks were completely sold on Ronald Jones either. So I think this is a perfect move for them because other than this, it's kind of the last kink in their roster, in my opinion, um, versus their offensive line, which they addressed in the draft. I think this makes Tampa Bay a complete team. Um, so you know, it's that, Super Bowl or bust at this point for them. When you, when you look, when you say that, I will ask you to compare them to the rest of the division. They got the Saints. Atlanta. There's one more. Who am I missing? Saints. Oh, Panthers. Panthers. Oh, yeah. Irrelevant. They got the Saints, Atlanta, the Panthers. Does this change anything for you in the division? I had... The problem is, I I had a hard time choosing between the Saints and Tampa Bay before the Fournette trade. And I agree with you. now, Now it's a more complete team. Does this change anything for you as far as you would con- would would project the outcome of that division? Uh, yeah, because I was with you. 
Um, Atlanta doesn't have the defense, and Carolina certainly doesn't have the defense yet, but there's still question marks that Teddy Bridgewater can lead that team. So I was with you. Either the Bucks or the Saints coming out of this division that are, that are going to win it. And the Saints have a very complete roster as well. But I actually like the Buccaneers' defense more than the Saints' defense. So I, I think this does, you know, before you're kind of flipping a coin, but I think this does kind of just complete the Bucks roster to where, you know, I wasn't completely sold down by into these super teams. And, you know, I always think, you know, let the season play out and I'm kind of more skeptical, but I don't see a scenario, you know, barring injury that the Bucks don't win this division. Do you think the Bucks can win the Super Bowl? I think with the roster that they have built, with the age that they are building it with, um, especially on offense and a couple of their defensive pieces, they have to win the Super Bowl this year or else the super team will dismantle. <laughs> Outside of Fournette, other news has happened this year. Arguably, one of the best safeties in the league, Earl Thomas, was cut from the Ravens. And I think it was over a fight. I don't know if it was over a fight or if it was just... The last straw on the camel's back. I don't know what happened here. Daniel, you're the local Ravens fan. What happened with Earl Thomas? Why hasn't he been signed? And, I mean, what are the possible outcomes for him? Yeah. Um, from everything that I've heard and read, it was the second option there. It, the fight that happened to practice was more of the last straw. And it was kind of funny. We didn't even really know that he was such an issue on the team because just like two days before this fight happened in practice, um, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, was commenting on Earl Thomas. And he said, I think this is going to be a great year for him and that he will continue his already Hall of Fame career and he's going to be great for the team. And then this fight breaks out. He shares a video online of the fight on Instagram, which is kind of another no-no because it gives people insight on, you know, some plays. And then all of a sudden we hear about team captains going to coaches pleading for the Ravens to cut Earl Thomas because he is such a problem in the locker room. He was late all the time, I guess. He had an issue with that. Um, it, it was just kind of a sour he was kind of a bad egg in the locker room. So um, as far as the fact that no one signed him, they've probably given the Ravens a call and they've kind of let him let teams know who he is inside the locker room. And don't forget just in April, um, Earl Thomas, his, his wife was arrested following an altercation uh, by the, involved a loaded weapon, um, you know, she pointed it at him. There was a big altercation. We're not really sure what happened there, but I, you know, believe that Thomas was cheating on her. Um, so he's had a couple issues outside of football too, which never helps anyone's case. Um, but it definitely has, you know, spoken volumes to the fact that no one has signed him, and he's an, he is arguably a Hall of Fame safety um, with decent talent. I mean, the Ravens. Loved having him on there last year, except for the Titans game where Derrick Henry uh, plowed him over on kind of a game-winning drive there. But that was, uh, brutal. that was really brutal. You know, the most brutal part was because Earl Thomas talked so much smack, and De Derrick Henry made him absolutely eat it. 
And I, I keep wondering if he hadn't talked so much <laughs> about Derrick Henry, uh, that maybe there was a little bit extra there that uh, Derrick Henry played with. So, adding fuel to the fire. Thanks, Earl. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there was any fuel to the fire. I think that Earl Thomas was at one point, or is 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 a Hall of Fame safety. I mean, he, the man's going to the Hall of Fame. But there is a difference, and we see it in Indianapolis with with T.Y. Hilton. I hate to say this, there is a difference between being in your prime and being late in the season. Uh, Earl Thomas is not the same safety. He's not the dominating force that he was ten years ago or five years ago. I mean, he's just not. I mean, but that's that's the way of things. That's the way that reality is, and. It's a shame. Yeah, I, I wanted to see Earl Thomas finish out in Baltimore. I wanted that to be his story. Uh, that's not the story that it is. The, the last question I have for you, um, and Corey's going to hate this, but I want to ask you about Cam Newton in, in New England. Because it seems like all roads point to Cam Newton being the starter. So I want to ask you a fantasy question. Where do you have Cam Newton's floor and ceiling and fantasy football? Like, where do you think he's going to end up? Because I, th- I think, and I would hope, and I don't know because we haven't talked about this, but do you think that Cam Newton's the starter, first of all? And if he is, give me his floor and his ceiling. Yes, I think Cam Newton is the starter. I was still, if he wants to sign him, uh, to be honest, because I was thinking, you know, we don't know who the Pats have in play, like beyond Jared Stidham. Um, at the time, and I was thinking this Cam Newton signing was, you know, it wasn't a depth piece, obviously, but I was thinking maybe they still believe in Jared Stidham, but they wanted to have Cam there just in case. Um, but no, that is completely shifted. I, it's funny. Like, does anyone know that Jared Stidham is injured and that he is out indefinitely? And we still don't know what's going on. One, one day he was being examined for his hip and then another for his leg and then his shoulder. I mean, Nobody knows this because the Pats have just kind of secretly <laughs> put him put him on the injury report, and it's just such quiet news because everyone assumes that Cam is going to be the starter. Um, so yes, I 100% think that Cam Newton is going to be the starter. Which how could you sign Cam Newton to a team like that that had Jared Stidham on the roster and not start him? Yeah, I mean, did you ever have any doubt that Cam was going to be the starter? I never had a doubt, but I made a huge bet with a bunch of people that he would be because none of them thought that he would be. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. We'll talk about that next episode. Okay, here's the deal. Let's close this one out. That's the end of today's episode. Next episode, we're going to talk about... Well, no, no, no. Let me give my take. Okay. my take on the fantasy question, though, too. Go ahead. Um, are, Are we assuming that Cam is healthy? I'm assuming Cam's healthy, yeah. Okay, so you asked me floor to ceiling. What do I think fantasy-wise? I think regardless of who Cam Newton has around him, and it actually might benefit him more that there's not a clear-cut workhorse running back, Cam Newton is a great rusher. And he's always finished in the top on healthy uh, QB seasons. So even though he doesn't have a great offense around him, he can do it. So I think his floor, his floor with his rushing, if he stays healthy, is quarterback 14 to a quarterback 12 14 that's to 12 floor. okay okay that's a qb1 that's a qb1 you asked me his floor like where where that's his floor i think his ceiling is a top five qb 
You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.